Welcome to A Way of Thinking. I'm your host, Jessica Huang. This podcast is a place of exploration to learn and grow from each other on the journey to becoming our best selves. Let's get to today's show. Our guest today is Aisha Grant. Aisha is a Dharma, Yoga Wheel, and Vinyasa Yoga instructor, a Reiki healer, an author, YouTuber, tarot reader, and mystic. She is based in London, UK. So welcome to the show, Aisha. Thank you for having me, Jessica. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Aisha and I actually know each other from our 200-hour yoga teacher training, much like many of our my other guests. So I'm just I'm just going through all of our classmates. It's a wonderful <laughs> wealth of people, I will say. And now we have the pleasure where we're actually together in London, so we can do this live, which is so wonderful. So I'm really excited for this conversation. Yes, me too. So Aisha, I'd love to start with talking a little bit about your journey in terms of what kind of started getting you into the path of yoga and tarot and all of these different things? Can you talk a little bit about kind of what inspired you or what kind of built off that journey for you? Yes, definitely. So, <clears throat> okay. So I just saw four for four on the clock. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so everything kind of started, I would say in 2013, pretty much. So in 2013, my dad passed away. And I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was a crazy time. Oh, my heart's being fast. <laughs> it's a crazy time because, you know, it was obviously quite difficult to go through. But this was really the making of me. Everything kind of kicked off at this point mm. because I obviously realized how much strength I had. I realized I just started to question a lot of things. I just started to wonder, you know, what is life about? who am I, you know, what happens after we die? Like I had all of these questions and I just wanted some answers. So after this, I really started diving deep. I got more into crystals. Um, I went deep into astrology and just kind of occult type things, you know. And yeah, I started doing some shadow work. I really went deeply into self and Mm. it was almost like I went into hermit mode as well, actually. And, you know, so obviously, you know, when my dad first passed away, I went through a long period of feeling like I was just walking in the wilderness. Everything got really dark. But then when I kind of moved through it, I was able to kind of, I felt like I was almost like (laughs) um, going through this process of purification or something. I don't know. It felt very alchemical. It felt like I was being transformed into a different version of myself the version of myself that I needed to be in order to walk the path I'm supposed to walk. Mm. Yeah, which was interesting. Uh, yeah, so I got into tarot. Did I get into tarot back then? Um, yes, yeah, I believe I got my first tarot deck around that time period. Uh, yeah, I'm going to try and be <laughs> as clear as I can of the timelines because it's sometimes hard to remember like when certain things happened. But that was when that side of things happened. And I would say at that time, I did get into the non-physical side of yoga. So I had books about um, kind of mantras and chanting, kundalini, tantra, things like that. So I didn't really know it at the time, but I was actually diving into the non-physical side of yoga. Because I think a lot of people assume that yoga is just the physical asana, which of course, Mm -hmm. that's just one limb of yoga. Um, Yeah, so I was actually doing the yoga back then, but didn't realize it. 
And then if we now fast forward to when did I have my first? So I took my first ever yoga class at the end of 2018. So this is when I was in Bali. Uh, <laughs> this is a funny story, actually. So I was there at the same time as one of my friends. And he just said to me, you should try Kundalini yoga. You should come to a class. <clears throat> and I said, okay, then. And this was funny because usually I don't get on board of things that quickly. Typically, I have to, I might say, oh, okay, then, but I don't really mean it. Or I might just say, <laughs> oh, I'll see. But I just said yes straight away. And I went to this class. It was amazing. I felt like I was like levitating at one point. I thought, oh my gosh, is this what yoga is? <laughs> so then when I came back to London, I signed up for a membership with more yoga, like straight away. And then, so that was like the start of my yoga journey. And then I met my Dharma yoga teacher. I think it was maybe a few months in. And I realized, oh, wow, Dharma yoga is really good. Mm. You know, because I had tried Kundalini, uh, Vinyasa, what else? Yin and other things. But it was the Dharma that really was calling me. So then I was like, yes, this is the style I want to do. And I had an amazing teacher, David. And then he kind of inspired me to do the 200-hour training, which is where I met you. And then, yeah, that was the journey to becoming a yoga teacher. Um, and then a funny thing is... I ended up teaching at that studio where I met my Dharma yoga teacher. So that, that felt like a full circle moment to actually get a permanent class there with more yoga at the same studio where I met the teacher. So, you know, throughout the journey, there have been these full circle moments where it's been like, oh, wow, okay, I am going in the right direction. Things are making sense. Yeah, so that was <laughs> that was how that came about. I feel like I kind of went off <laughs> a few different tangents, but oh no, no yeah. worries. <laughs> we can dive into all of that. I am I am very ready for it. Well, one thing I do want to mm -hmm. note on, I think it's very interesting mm -hmm. that you went through all of these non-physical aspects of yoga first. Mm -hmm. Because I think that the vast majority of people, I would say, go the other way, right? Like yes, you start yeah. with the asana practice mm -hmm. and then you might get into other aspects. Yeah. And so that's so interesting to me that you went kind of in reverse. Yeah, a lot of people have said that to me, actually. Um, a lot of people don't know that there's a non-physical side of yoga, which mm -hmm. is also quite interesting. Uh, yeah, but dare I say I... <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm more drawn towards the non-physical side of yoga because I just feel like from there I'm able to really tap into or get closer to the true essence of what yoga is. I feel like at its essence, it's so... Because if we think of the uh, the final limb of yoga, samadhi, when I think of this, I just think of the non-physical. Mm. And that's obviously the, the final limb, the highest limb, so... If we think of, okay, is samadhi the goal for the yogi, then should we then kind of tap into the non-physical kind of as soon as we feel ready to so that we are getting a good idea of what we're actually going towards and what yoga really is rather than kind of dwelling or fixating on just the physical side of it and trying to see if you can get more flexible and trying to do all of these cool or difficult poses <laughs> like flying pigeon. <laughs> But realizing that, okay, yes, the body can do this. That's great. And I do need to keep the body strong so that I can stay healthy, so that I can stay in the physical plane. But beyond this, what is this pose doing to my mind? How is this 
helping my mind because the way I approach yoga, when I'm doing, well, rather when I get into a pose that I thought I could never do, it helps me to realize just how powerful I am, how powerful the mind is. Yes. And that if I can apply this to yoga, I can apply this off the yoga mat and I can then you know, end up doing things that I think I can't do, as long as I just get my mind on board, the body will naturally follow. But the mind has to, I like to think of the mind as like a horse, a wild horse that's kind of (laughs) running around. You need to kind of get control of the reins and control the horse because it's your horse. You know, it's not just this horse that just belongs to nobody. It's, you know, a part of you. It is something that you can control. So this is (laughs) kind of how I see things. So yes, that's what I'm doing whenever I'm doing the physical asana. I'm actually going much deeper. I'm realizing or rather in an idea of, okay, how can I use this to really improve my life off the yoga mat? How can I use this to become a better person, a better version of myself and to level up really? I could not agree more (laughs) with everything that you just said. It was, it was just like ding, 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 ding all over the place. Um, It was, it's interesting because actually that's, how I now approach my own yoga practice mm. is I see it as a source of inspiration mm. towards everything else that I'm doing. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, getting that goal of whatever pose, which side note, Aisha was trying to teach me flying <laughs> pigeon earlier, which was very fun. And we will definitely be working on that more at some point. But I, it's true. Like when you, when you hit that milestone and you're like, Oh, I got that pose and mm. just, I love that idea of it's proving to me that the impossible is possible, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's showing to me that I can do hard things Mm -hmm. that I once thought were outside of the realm of my reality. And, and yeah, that's exactly how I read into it oftentimes, or it's like, it is a source of inspiration. Mm. So I love that you have that same type of mentality. I think that is so cool. Another thing I do want to add, yeah. I forget actually on that note. <clears throat> so as a yoga teacher myself, often what can happen in classes, let's say if we're all doing a pose or I've given the option to do a pose and let's say 10 people in the class can do it and there are eight people who can't yet do it. I'll say yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they've decided to kind of opt out of trying the pose and they're kind of watching the others who are doing it. <clears throat> One thing I always say to my students and that I always remind myself of and that I want to tell people is that if you see someone else doing a pose you can't yet do, then kind of rather than feeling some type of way about it, you can be inspired by this and you can say to yourself, okay, if they can do this, I can do this too. Or if we want to think of the fact that everyone and everything is a reflection of ourselves, we can just be happy for them because it's almost our own celebration as well because they can do this. This is amazing, you know, so... I always like to kind of take the competition out of yoga and to really remind people that it's not a competition. It's not about they can do this, you can't do that. It's your own personal practice, you know, to, you know, because you can really just go inward during the practice and you can deeply, deeply focus on yourself and tune out whatever is happening in the room. And when we do this, it's very powerful because we're then embracing wherever we are in our practice because we're all in a different place so I just I really wanted to add that in because I know people can sometimes get a bit upset that they can't do certain poses but this is when I always say to my students it's not even really about the physical it's one the physical is one tiny portion of what yoga is you know so how we behave when we see someone do a pose we can't do 
this is where the real yoga lies. You know, are we going to be jealous? Are we going to resent that person? <laughs> are we going to be passive aggressive with them? And again, even whatever you do find is coming up to observe it without judgment, to just mm. witness, oh, okay, actually I feel a bit jealous and to hold space to fill that. So rather than demonizing yourself, just holding space for whatever comes up and knowing that, oh, okay, just putting a, a note there and saying, okay, I have work to do in this area. You know, mm. so this is how yoga can just help us in so many ways. Yeah, I am so glad you brought that <laughs> up because it's it's very true. So many people are so intimidated, mm -hmm. especially when starting out, because you go into this class and you're like, wow, these people yeah. can do all these things and I can't do that. <laughs> I really appreciate you saying that because it's interesting. It was only in our 200 hour, actually, that that really finally mm. sunk in for me. And I remember, I remember one of our teachers actually saying that it's like, I see it as the person who can do it. Yeah. They are proving to me mm -hmm. that it can be done, mm -hmm. that it is possible. Mm -hmm. And so I look at it as, yeah, like inspiration or guidance mm -hmm. of like, this is what you can do one day. And so, yeah, changing that dialogue in your mind yeah. is very interesting. And it, it's, yeah, it's funny because I notice, you know, after or 200 hour, I would notice that when I'm on my mat, mm. I don't really pay much attention to what anyone else is doing. Like I am just so focused mm -hmm. on my own body, on the teacher and, and just like thinking through like, Oh, can I, can I change this a little bit mm. to like go a little deep? You know, it's all about your own practice, but that it takes a lot. It takes time and it takes patience yeah. to get to that place. Right. And so I hope hearing that will maybe inspire some people to be like, that's inspiration. Yes. That's not something that I need to be jealous of mm -hmm. or or feeling or feeling down on myself for yeah. not being able to do it. Right. Yeah. You know what? One other thing I'll add actually, because yeah. just things are coming up as we're talking, is that so every pose has its own energy. So as Sri Dharma tells us mm -hmm. to kind of take on the consciousness of the pose. So it's more than just a pose. It, it's just it goes so much deeper. And you know, along those lines. So let's say if the pose is targeting a certain chakra, I'll say, let's use the splits as a good example. So this is a very intense pose, you know, um, it requires a lot of surrender. Now, what I like to say is that if we can't yet do a pose, there's a reason for this. It could be that when we get into the pose, a lot is going to come up. So we need to be mentally, physically and emotionally ready for this. Mm. which is why it's never good to kind of force the body into a pose. There's a reason why we can't get into a pose. So it could be a mental block. It could just be the anatomy of the body. Each body is different. And to be honest, there are some poses some people just won't be able to do. And this is okay because everything has its reason. So if there's a pose you can't do, there's a reason for that. Leave it alone. And if it's meant to come, it will come. If it's not, it won't. And this is okay. But each pose has its own energy signature. So I, I deeply believe that we have to take our time as we go through these poses and as we kind of go through the yoga journey, you know, our own personal yoga journey, because we will be led towards the poses we are meant to do at that point in time. So I, I always remind my own self of this as well. Like if there's a pose I've been working at for a long time, for me, it, it splits. Sometimes I am quite low in it and I am like, oh, wow, I'm close to the ground. I think once I did fully get into it, but usually I have to really warm up my body a lot. Yes. <laughs> but it's not, 
you know, a pose that my body can naturally just get into. And I know there are reasons for this. So I just simply hold space to be where I am with the pose. And I try to kind of go into a meditation in the pose so that I can listen to the messages it's kind of sending me. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I feel like that speaks a lot to the, like the just the mind-body connection mm. there, right? Because oftentimes like different people hold stress in different places yes. or different people are holding certain emotions mm -hmm in certain places. And so it's possible that you can't get into that pose because yeah. you're still holding onto something that mm -hmm. you need to let go before it, it'll come, yes. you know? So I, that, that was what was ringing true as you were saying <laughs> yeah. that to me. <laughs> okay. So actually I, I feel like going into this quote feels right from where yes. what we just said. Yeah. So I saw this and we're, we're going to take a little snippet of it, but I saw this pop up on um, Aisha's Instagram story the other day. And I was like, we need to talk about this <laughs> <laughs> among a, a million other things. <laughs> so the quote is you're, so this is going to sound a little harsh, but please like take, take it as we, as we say it. So um, the quote is your calling is going to crush you. If you're called to mend the brokenhearted, you're going to wrestle with brokenheartedness. If you're called to empower, your self-esteem will be attacked. Your successes will be hard fought. Your crushing won't be easy because your assignment isn't easy. So I, I saw this come up on her Instagram and I was like, whoa, like I feel that because it, it resonated with me a lot where I was like, I feel like there's certain things that I feel like I want to help people with, but sometimes I feel like I'm struggling to feel ready to help people with because I'm still struggling with it, mm. if that makes sense, right? And, it, and, and I think, well, one thing yeah. I want to say about this is that in the journey of kind of improving ourselves or, you know, trying to reach these like higher levels of self, it is a journey and I think we go back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. And things just keep coming up oftentimes and we have to kind of like find new ways to work through them and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw this, it rang so true to me in that way. So yeah, I, Ayesha, I'd love you to like kind of talk on that too. Yes, it's, I love that quote. Even as you were saying it, I was, oh, I just, I had to just kind of um, <laughs> go inward, I guess, the best way to say it. Yeah. And more things were coming up, more things were coming up compared to last time I heard the quote, or rather the first time I heard the quote. Yeah, I can really relate to it, <laughs> my own self, because there's so much of the journey that other people don't see. There's mm. a lot of assumptions that can happen, you know, when you see someone posting on social media or when you just see the after effects of where they are now you're not thinking of okay where did they come from where are they secretly where are they kind of behind the closed doors so uh, yes your purpose definitely <laughs> does crush you because if you think of it like this in order to be really good at a certain thing you're gonna to have to fail a lot you're gonna mm. go through the various stages of kind of questioning yourself doubting yourself and asking am I doing the right thing am I good enough am I worthy to do this you know going through all of the stages and you have to go through the stages because what I'm now thinking of is let's say someone that's a manager at a supermarket just a basic example <laughs> if they have been just in a uh, you call it like a sales associate then they become supervisor then then they become assistant manager and then manager if they've worked at all levels 
there's a higher chance that they're actually going to be able to understand what the people at those levels are going through because they've walked the path. Yeah. As opposed to just reading a book about how it is to be at that level, they've been there. Mm. So typically they're going to be able to relate to those people much more and they're going to ultimately be a better manager. And that's what comes to me when uh, I think of the purpose, the thing you're meant to do. Like it would be really good if you're able to go through all of the stages. So the difficult stages, the painful stages, the highs, the lows, just really riding the waves and dealing with the ebb and flow you're going to then be much more authentic in your expression when you discuss the thing, whatever it is. So I always like to keep this in mind, my own self, when I have these difficult days or go through different difficult periods, I remind myself that, okay, it's just going to make me better at this thing. It's just going to allow me to be a better teacher, a more authentic teacher, you know, because plenty of people are just you know, I have to say this, but you know, kind of just regurgitating information that's on Google or something that they've read but when someone can actually speak from the heart and you can always tell when Mm. it's coming from the heart when it's coming from a place of okay that person has been there and they've come out the other side you can just tell the difference and it just typically this is the kind of teacher that you can relate to and the kind of teacher that can relate to so many different kinds of people because they have walked in different in those different people's shoes to some kind of extent you know they've kind of been there they've been through all of the stages so yes that's what comes to mind when I think of that quote and hear that quote it's just a reminder that it's okay if things aren't working out right now it's okay if you're doubting yourself it's okay if you feel like you're doing all of this hard work and getting nowhere, you have to go through that experience of believing that you're getting nowhere. Because then when you speak to someone who also says to you, oh, do you know what? I think I'm following my purpose, but I don't know if I'm getting anywhere. You can then authentically say from the heart, I've been there and look Mm -hmm. where I am now. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's important to really embrace the journey. I know it sounds so cliche, but it's all about the journey. It's all about the journey. Yeah, it's entirely true because I I feel that oh god it it's definitely been feeling that way for me recently where I'm like oh I've fallen off the path I'm done like I'm useless now you know like that feeling where you're like oh like I've totally fallen off Mm. you know and then and then you climb your way back and you're like oh but that that's why I'm doing this you know And it's, it's a struggle, Mm. but I, you know, oftentimes I think about it and I'm like, we need more and more people who are willing to do that, to fall off that horse Mm -hmm. and come back over and over and over again, because we will, each one of us will relate to different people, Mm -hmm. right? Like there is a different group of people that will relate to me than will relate to you. And, but then we can help that group of people, you know, and then that group of people can help other people. And I, I love that idea because, um, and it's also just such an abundance mentality Mm -hmm. where it's like, there is, I feel like there's an endless amount of need for more people who are willing to put in the work, Mm -hmm. you know, on themselves so that they can then guide others. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I'd love to move into, so you mentioned this earlier when you were talking about a bit of your journey, but can you talk a little bit about what led you to Bali? You know, I know that you ended up writing your books there. Like talk a little more about what that journey was like for you. Yes. So (laughs) 
it's gonna sound so cliche but so after i watched the film eat pray love <laughs> yes i'm that person i love it <laughs> that that kind of led me there because i thought wow this is a beautiful place i want to go there like where is it and then i realized it was a really good place to go if you're into yoga and kind of healthy eating uh, so I thought, yeah, like, I like this place. But beyond that, my heart, was it my heart? Yeah, I just, I felt, I was just yearning. I, I felt like I needed to be there. There was this cord almost that was connecting mm. me to Bali. And I couldn't, it's like I couldn't look away. I couldn't not go. I couldn't say no. So <laughs> I just followed the calling. And I went by myself as well, because that's another thing I forgot to mention. So after my father's passing, this was also what kicked off me wanting to travel solo and just see the world and everything. So that was also a part of things because I just felt like, you know what? I don't want to wait around for someone to want to come with me somewhere. I just want to go there if I want to go there. Mm. So I was doing a lot of that kind of thing, just doing things that I felt called to do and just following the heart. So yes, I followed my heart to Bali. <laughs> and... So I think it, so I've been there five times in total, but I think it was the second time, second, second or third, no, the second time I went there, this was when I was, I started to write the first draft of my book. So I was just writing it in my notebook. And it's funny because at the time I didn't realize I was writing my book. So my mm. first book is a book of poetry. And when I was in Bali, like whenever I go to Bali, I always feel like I'm in my creative flow everything is just flowing and I just I just feel so tapped into source and from that space it's easy for me to just write all these beautiful things so I was just writing a lot of poetry in my notebook <laughs> and I didn't realize at the time that I would turn that into a book and then the next time I went to Bali that was when I was I actually bought my laptop and this was when I was physically typing up this first draft because I looked at all of the poems I thought hang on I could make a book out of this amazing <laughs> so that was when I got really serious about okay yes Aisha you can do this you can write this book because ever since I was really young I've always loved writing I've always just um been that person that would just write stories so it's just always been within me but I for some reason I never thought I could actually write a book it always seemed like such a big thing and back then, you know, before there was Amazon uh, publisher and things like that, you know, it just, it, you you would think that you just need to get like a publishing deal or it just seemed like a very daunting thing back in the day, you know? Yeah. Um, it still seems kind of daunting to me if I'm being quite honest. So I, I love that it is no longer daunting. <laughs> so, you know, because you have things like, you know, you can publish via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, What's the other one? Lulu. So these are like print on demand ways that you can kind of publish your book. Yeah. And this spoke to me because it, uh, for some reason, it just made me feel like, oh, okay, I can do this, you know? Uh, yes. So I wrote the first draft of my book in Bali. And I think I may have designed the cover over there as well. Which book was this? So this was the Unraveling Dancing in the Eternal Now. Mm. Um, so I chose the cover and everything over there. So that was when I was getting really serious about, okay, yes, you're going to write this book. Because sometimes we can tell ourselves we want to do a thing, but the mind, or rather, yeah, the mind and body aren't in alignment. So you're kind of arguing with yourself in your head. You're going back and forth. You're overthinking. But at this point, I was very much 
I had like a single pointed focus. I know that, yes, I'm going to write this book and this is happening. <laughs> so yes. So what's happened is since then, each time I go to Bali, I end up writing because my second book, <laughs> I was inspired. I think I thought of the name of the book in Bali and just little pieces of it were coming together. So that's my book, Mounting Into the Heart Space, a collection of uplifting messages. So yeah, basically each time I go to Bali, I seem to... <laughs> a book appears. <laughs> yes, because honestly, it's a really great place for creatives mm. because you're just in this beautiful environment and the pace is much slower there, you know? So you can just be in a, be in a cafe all day. No one will kick you out. You just are there eating smoothie bowls, meeting people. And it's just such a relaxed vibe. And it's very me, you know, being there so... Mm. With me, when it comes to the things that I create, I have to really be in a certain space, a certain like physical location to fully feel like, yes, things are flowing and all of that. And for me, that place is <laughs> Bali. <laughs> yes. So um, that's what, well, I wouldn't say that's what keeps me going back, but it's one of the things. I think there's more things, but I don't exactly know what they are. I just know that I keep being guided to go back. It's It's strange and things will just... Like, it'll be things I didn't expect. So, for example, the the last time I went there, it was actually because I won a scholarship to do a yoga teacher training. Because I remember before that, I had been trying to manifest going back to Bali. But I just didn't know, like, when. I didn't know how. I, I didn't know anything. I just knew I wanted to be back there. <laughs> so I said to myself, yes, I'm going to go back to Bali somehow. And I was really, like, every day visualizing myself being there, drinking coconut water. <laughs> <laughs> and then the opportunity to um, apply for this scholarship came up. I thought, okay, wow. Now, let me say, I didn't expect to win at all. I really, really didn't. But I thought, what have I got to lose? This is one way I could get back to Bali. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when they announced it, I just, I had, because they announced it via Instagram. And I had to, I watched it back about 10 times. <laughs> I couldn't. When she said my name, I thought, oh my goodness, am I dreaming? And because I watched this late at night, I did think I was dreaming. <laughs> so it was so That's strange. so funny. But yes, I have definitely used manifestation at many points throughout my journey in order to really get to a certain place or in order to, I would guess, stay optimistic about wherever I currently am. Because often, let's say, if we don't want to be in a certain place or a certain, whether it's a certain headspace, a certain physical location, uh, you know, anything like that, or a certain job, whatever it is, it can be difficult to ignore your physical reality when it's not ideal, when it's not really where you want to be. And this is where manifestation comes in, you know, when we can actually trick the mind <laughs> into believing we're not really there or into believing that, okay, I'm here now, but I've already booked the tickets to go wherever it is. I've already you know, paid for the hotel or the accommodation and to really imagine, to get very detailed about it, to really imagine that, yes, I'm going to stay in this hotel in this part of town. I'm going to meet these people. I'm going to eat at this place. And to, to just make it a whole story with mm -hmm. the manifestations and to really visualize, this is what has helped me tremendously. I can just give so many examples of times when <laughs> something I was manifesting, I got the exact thing because I didn't waver. I just had such a single-pointed focus on having this actual thing. And I just tricked the mind into thinking, actually, yeah, this is going to happen. And then it actually happens. So, <laughs> yes, I'm really a big fan of manifestation. 
Yeah, tell me more. So how did you get into manifestation? And yeah, I'd love to get a little deeper into yes. that. Like, how does one start that process? <laughs> like, because honestly, as you were explaining that, I was like, isn't there also the propensity in some ways of that actually depressing you, right? Where you're like, I, I'm not doing mm-hmm. these things that I am visualizing. Like, I, obviously, you need to get into a certain yes. mental state. Yes, right. I'm glad you said that. So yeah, there are levels to it. So let's be serious. Yes, many people online sometimes say, oh, you just have to think like this and then you'll get it. No, actually, if you're deeply depressed or if you're feeling really low, no, it's obviously going to be much more difficult to imagine that you're in your ideal location in a, a, I don't know, fancy hotel somewhere, (laughs) you know? Right. So yes, first we do have to work on the mind, where we are mentally, you know, what is going on upstairs in the mind and to really... I like to see the mind as like an attic to clear out the attic, to hoover away the cobwebs, to clear Mm. out, you know, to clean out the space. Wait, (laughs) I have to just side note, (laughs) when I try and clean, like clear my mind, I literally imagine someone, myself sweeping. Yes. Like sweeping my mind. So I I imagine hoovering. I love the hoovering. That is like perfect. (laughs) So, you know, we have to do that first. You can't just, I just saw 1515. So these numbers are just speaking to me so much. We have to actually... We'll get there. Yes. <laughs> do that first. You know, that is what we have to do first. So working on a right day to day, how can I feel better each day? How can, like, what little things can I do to improve my mental health? And it can be small things, you know, it can be, okay, today I'm going to go for a walk at least for five minutes a day, or today I'm going to, it doesn't have to be a full-blown yoga session. It could be just five minutes of stretching. So making it small little things you can do that you know are going to improve your mood, you know, Mm. improve the condition or the state of the mind and the physical body. So this is what we can do to really first try and make ourselves feel better if we are not feeling so great. And another thing I love doing, to write a list of 10 things that you're grateful for that you have at this time. And yes, if things are super dark, maybe you can't think of 10. So then just say five or do however many you can. And you may find that if you do this each day, the list will increase. There'll be more things because you're mm-hmm. going to then, it's the most, you're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And once you're doing that, more things are opening up to you. You're realizing that, wow, there are so many great things in my life. There's so much I have to be grateful for. The most obvious one, having, being alive, you know? Yeah. Being able to just do these basic things that a lot of us take for granted, you know? So there are so many things. But yes, that is the first thing to do, I would say. Just figuring out how you can feel better day to day if you're not feeling so great. Now, once the mind is feeling a bit more balanced, from there you can start to manifest, right? So yes, it may not always be easy because like I said if you're in a place you really don't want to be in and it's like oh my gosh I can't leave I'm here yes that does take a bit more effort to pretend or rather to trick the mind into thinking you're not there or into believing that you won't be there forever because often when we're in a certain space whether it's mentally physically or whatever or geographically we can end up feeling like oh I'm gonna be here forever you know because it seems like time does seem to drag on when you're somewhere you don't want to be but time isn't real anyway but we'll save that for later (laughs) on or another episode (laughs) but anyway um wait can I ask a side question from that do you feel like 
because I, I think about this sometimes just like just generally not in the realm of manifestation, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's related. Is it more that you have to, it's not that you're trying to run away from where you are. Mm-hmm. It's that you're running towards something, right? Is it kind of that idea or? I would what? say, yeah. so I, I would say aligning with, I would mm. say aligning with, because I think the running or the chasing, it makes it seem like, oh, I have to do this. I got to run really fast. I have to go there. And it's like, <laughs> It can seem like a lot, but if mm-hmm. we say aligning, you can oh, kind of relax into it. You can, I like to imagine like putting on a pair of cozy slippers. That's how we could approach it when it comes to coming into your ideal timeline. See it as, oh, just, just sitting down on a nice cozy sofa or just putting on some fluffy slippers, you know, relaxing. <laughs> yes, yes. And doesn't that feel good to imagine? Like to just relax into it, to just... Because often we we do too much, you know, when all we have to do a lot of the time is to surrender, relax, relinquish control and to accept that, okay, I'm here now, but I'm going to be in this other place. You can Mm -hmm. say things like one day soon or or to just take the time out of it completely. Just just say that I'm here right now, but I'm aligning with this or I'm here right now, but I am moving towards, I'm trying not to say running and things. I just want to say like moving towards or uh, I don't know. Like, I'm going here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems a bit more slow, right. not so rushed and so fast kind of thing. But yes. So, you know, the trick or rather the key of the manifestation is to really just, <laughs> so this, this may sound weird, but this is really what I can vouch for. So to fully take on the energy of the thing. So let's say if you want to, I'll use my example. So if you do want to go to Bali, all right, to imagine yourself there, to really just paint a picture of all of the details. So to make your picture super detailed. So where would you go to eat? Where would you stay? You can even look up the hotels or the Airbnbs Mm -hmm. to tell yourself, okay, yeah, I'll stay there. And to not say it like you're really kind of desperate to stay there just, just say it in a way that's kind of nonchalant like yeah I'll stay here I'll, I'll choose this hotel act like money isn't an issue just say where just decide like where would you stay where would you eat who would you meet what do you visualize yourself doing in Bali so whatever the manifestation is to just use your imagination this is the key the imagination fully go into it and to do this all the time so when you first wake up just imagine, okay, yeah, when I go to Bali, I'm going to do this, I'm going to eat hair, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And before you go to bed, doing the same thing. So it's almost as if you are just simply imagining what's going to happen. So rather than you're forcefully trying to, oh yeah, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here, you're just, you're just simply lying in bed and you're thinking about what is going to happen. You know, so because there's an energy to it, it does require one to not be so eager for the thing. You have to act like, oh yeah, you know, it's going to happen. The same way mm. that, you know, day becomes night. Oh, it's going to happen. Just think of it like, oh yeah, you know, it's going to happen. And <laughs> It's like nonchalant. Yes. This yeah. is the, because often when we are kind of running after something or when we are really forcefully just trying to make a thing happen, the thing runs away from us. Mm. And then we're in this endless cycle of running after this thing that continues to elude us but when we just slow down and calm down and act like oh yeah you know it's fine I'm here now but I'll be there at this other point in time so that has what 
that that's what has really helped me with the manifestation to really draw from your imagination because <laughs> I don't want to get too mystical right now but everything oh the numbers again I just saw two two <laughs> everything I think there was a I wrote this um I think this was a line from my book I believe it was something about everything is a reflection of the divine dreamer's imagination I think I said that mm. so that sounds every, familiar yeah so, because everything begins as a thought, you know, if you, like this podcast, you first thought, okay, I'll make a podcast. And here is the podcast. So everything first begins in the non-physical realm where we can't see it, but we're thinking of it, you know, we're planting the seeds. And then eventually it kind of comes to life in the physical realm. So this is how we can see our manifestations. It's just like anything that you first thought you wanted or you first thought of an idea or whatever. And then it ends up coming. So this is another way to kind of help us to realize that, yes, this thing is not so far away. It's just a thought away. You know, it's just about getting the body and the mind in alignment and to just trick the mind. Honestly, I feel like the mind is there to, to trick us and to kind of make us believe all these silly stories that are just not true. And we have to really grab a hold of the reins so that the horse isn't wildly running and kicking and just doing all the things so just get control of the horse get control of the mind and to make it work for you rather than against you because a lot of the time our minds are working against us because we are just believing all of these things <laughs> that are not true they're just stories of the mind but we can always change the stories. You know, we can create new stories, more empowering stories, stories that truly serve us. So it, it all begins in the mind, <laughs> the yeah. manifestation and everything. Absolutely. I, you know, I think one of the most powerful things learning or that came out of the 200 hour was this idea of you are not the mind, mm. you are not your body, you mm -hmm. know, and and I love that because just separating yourself from the mind is going to just go and mm -hmm. run off with mm -hmm. its stories, as you said. And, and that idea where it's like, I don't necessarily have to follow that, mm -hmm. right? Like that is just the mind thinking and having that sense of separation mm -hmm. gives you the space of saying, oh, that's just the mind thinking that, mm -hmm. you know, like I am permitted to go in a different direction. Yes. Yeah. And it's very powerful when we really come into the mode of the witness. So this is what in yogic texts would be called the self, you know, yeah. that thing that is just, we can't see it. It's like <laughs> what exists behind the eyes. So if I say, oh, I'm looking over there, who is looking over there? What is looking over there? Like it can all get so mystical. Yes. <laughs> it's like this. We'll but try and like, keep it not yes. too esoteric. <laughs> <laughs> but if we just be the witness, so if we do find that there are negative thoughts running through the mind to just observe and say oh okay this is what's coming up I wonder where that's come from I wonder why I think like that and most importantly to just observe without judgment because when we start judging we just end up going on this downward spiral and this is just not helpful so when we could simply observe and to just see what comes up and to if we feel ready to to use this as an opportunity to delve deeper into the subconscious and to really think about okay why do I behave the way I behave why do I think like this where does this stem from because often if there are certain habits that we have 
unless we know where they come from, it can be difficult to kind of stop doing them. But once we get mm-hmm. to the root of the thing and we kind of uproot whatever it is and we just clear away what needs to be cleared away, this this is helpful because from this point we can then create a new story or plant a new seed there, you know. But when we just don't know why we're doing what we're doing, sometimes it can be tricky to stop because if it's like a deeply rooted wound, we need to tend to the wound first rather than just pretending it doesn't exist and it's getting infected and it's all getting a lot worse. (laughs) If we can actually just say, okay, right, I can see this wound now. Let me work on this. Let me just clean it. Let me tend to it. Let me give it some love and all of that. And then from there, once the wound is starting to heal, then we can kind of create new stories, new habits from a much healthier place because we've actually gone back and done the work however difficult that may be because sometimes we see things we really wish we didn't or things that we don't want to see and it's like oh my god is this really what's there is this what is lurking in the wound (laughs) but we have to really we have to address it you know yeah and I I think it takes a lot of courage Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of being gentle with yourself to do that right yeah yeah, because it's, it's true. I feel like you often will unsurface things that you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's how do we not judge ourselves and really dig into those wounds. Yes. But instead allow them mm-hmm. some space and breathing room. And as you said, giving them some love mm-hmm. to really be able to process and heal. Yes. And, you know, another thing that can happen, we can end up feeling angry towards other people if these wounds... Mm you know if if other people are involved if or rather if we believe other people are involved or were involved in the creation of those wounds so it can all get very dark but this is where the whole non-judgment thing comes up you know if we can really just because we we all have something (laughs) that we're working on or many things (laughs) we're working on or trying to heal and if we can keep this in mind we can remember that others also have their things so rather than being angry at another person for what they may have done or for things they may have said we can actually send love to the situation so rather than forcefully forgiving someone that you maybe don't feel able to or ready to forgive you can simply send love to the situation itself because one um trick that can be very helpful is to so if you think of like a a horrible memory or something that you feel contributed to a wound or created a wound you can go back to that place in time go back to that situation and you can then change what happens so again this is where the imagination is really helping us so rather than replaying the story as it happened or in some cases as we think it happened because another thing <laughs> the mind can sometimes well not sometimes as I said, the mind plays tricks on us. So what can happen is if we have a memory in our mind, we can make it into something that it actually wasn't just because mm-hmm. of how we perceived said event. So this is another right. thing. From, from like past processing <laughs> oftentimes, yes. right? Yes. So if something in the past had happened a certain way, yes. we're then maybe projecting that yes. onto the current situation exactly. and creating a different story yes. around it. Yes. Right. So when we go back in time to really just hold space for whatever it is we are remembering and to be gentle with ourselves, as you said, and 
yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> so when we want to change the story. Now, let me be clear. This isn't avoiding. So if we first, if we feel able to again, think of what happened. And if you need to cry about it, to cry. So to this is what I would call just really cradling yourself and self-soothing and mm-hmm. parenting yourself through the situation, whatever it is. And if you can do that, so you're feeling what needs to be felt, because I'm very big on feeling what needs to be felt, rather than avoiding and rather than, oh, pretending and, oh, no, no, I don't feel this. If you feel angry, be angry. If you're sad, be sad. If you feel whatever, just feel it. Otherwise, you're, you become like this bubbling volcano that is set to erupt at any moment. So it's best to just, when it wants to erupt, just let it erupt before it becomes this crazy <laughs> eruption. So yes, you know, feeling what needs to be felt with regards to the wound And then after that, changing the story. So let's say if you felt a certain way when the thing happened, you can have a change the way you felt, or you can imagine that someone is kind of, I don't know, giving you a hug or the whatever, but each thing will be different. But one can, if they feel able to, they can actually kind of change whatever it is. So you're creating more of a happy memory surrounding whatever it is that's happened. You know, let's say if... uh, someone called I don't like this word but I'll use it for the example but if someone was called ugly uh, in childhood if they go back in time and can imagine that they were being called beautiful and that that was all that ever happened people just complimented them on their inner and outer beauty little things like this can be done so once one has felt what they need to feel about the situation they can then kind of go back in time and change it to something more positive so Mm. it's you know, different to kind of avoiding because if you first feel it and you first just hold space for whatever comes up and you remember it. And then again, I have to say, you you know, if one feels ready, they can then like change the story. That's very interesting. The idea of, of changing the mm-hmm. story altogether in that mm-hmm. way, because often, even though something may hurt me, I mm-hmm. see it as necessary to hold it in its original mm-hmm. form, I guess, mm-hmm. because I don't, want to lose sight of yes what the what had occurred Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I find that very interesting this idea of actually manipulating it yeah in that way yeah it's like (laughs) yeah I I can't remember when this came to me but because I you know I've done a lot of shadow work and all of that kind of stuff and for those that have done that before it can get very dark you can Mm -hmm. end up in a place where you're just angry at a lot of people in your life because you know, just things are coming up and you're addressing things, you're acknowledging things and you can end up feeling angry at the world at some point in time. So, you know, things can be done in many different ways. Sometimes one, I mean, sometimes one isn't able to change the story or in some cases they don't need to. So let's say if, I'll use the ugly thing as another example. So if the person just can't seem to stop that voice or they can't seem to Mm. stop playing that story on a loop in their head of being called ugly and it's just affecting them in life. They just can't see their own beauty. They can't take a compliment. It can just have such a ripple effect on so many things. So perhaps in a case like this where the person just can't seem to have the story exist in its original form and still thrive in the physical realm or if it seems to be kind of crippling them in their day-to-day life, in these cases, it can be helpful. But, you know, with all of this kind of stuff, there's no one size fits all. Yeah. So, 
you know. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate yeah. the alternative option, yeah. right? Because I've never heard that before. So I, I appreciate that as like, if there is something where, it, yeah, that it's really sitting with you to the point mm-hmm. where you can't move past it, mm-hmm. that idea of being able to rewrite that story to the place where it's not wounding you mm-hmm. and you're able to move forward in your life can be very powerful. So I can definitely see the benefit of it. So I find it very, yeah. that's why I had a qu- question that, cause I was like, I've never heard this, but I find it so interesting. And yeah. by the way, I, you know, the reason why I called this podcast a way of thinking was I was like, well, it's not the way of thinking. There mm-hmm. is not one way. And so, you know, it, it just, jar- it hit me when you said that, where I was just like, that's exactly why I want this to be, mm. you know, I want everyone to come with like, what is their, what is working for them? Mm-hmm. You know, because someone out there might listen to that and be like, that's what I needed, mm. you know? So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Cause I'm like, yeah, it really struck me. I was like, Oh, what yes. an interesting twist to say, let me rewrite something because it is mm-hmm. wounding me too much mm. or not what- letting me move forward. Yes. Yeah. Something else that was coming up as you were talking, um, another thing I like to do is to think of life, my life as a movie. So I am like the lead character in this movie, the director, the producer, all the things. So when I think in this way, it's like, okay, the movie has already been written. It's, it's all been done. I just need to come into the cinema, the movie theater, sit down, grab my popcorn and watch the movie. So as with most films, there are times when you may feel like crying or when you do cry, there are times when you're on the edge of your seat, like, oh, what's going to happen next? There's times when (laughs) you're just, just, you know, you're just going through just the full spectrum of emotions throughout this movie. So along those lines of it being a movie, let's say if there is, okay, I'll just to go back to the manifestation again. So if there is, if you're in certain circumstances that you don't want to be in, like, okay, so I'm here. I don't want to be here though. If you say, okay, so if life is a movie, if my life is a movie, perhaps if I am the director and the producer, I can change something in this movie. Mm. I can make a change. I can (laughs) swap certain characters around. I can (laughs) move the the location of the set, you know, all these things I can do. And this is when it can get quite fun when we think of ourselves in this way as being in control of kind of everything in the movie. It can be very empowering as well, you know? And we can just say, okay, do you know what? I don't like this bit. Let me just take that out. And you can just change things. <laughs> Editing. <the> <laughs> yeah, I, this is how I like to really see things. I love that <laughs> analogy. I think that's so cool. I... I, I've often definitely thought of like, what if my life was a movie mm-hmm. and try that idea, but I love the idea of taking that and mm-hmm. saying, and just putting the control back into your mm-hmm. own hands. Cause I feel like that's what that is really saying, mm-hmm. right? Like you have control over who is in your life. You have control over what, where you are and what you're doing. And so being able to, as, as you like to say, grab, grab the horse by the <laughs> Um, grabbing a hold of the horse, (laughs) you know, I feel like it all kind of plays into each other. So I I really enjoy that idea. Yeah. It's all about just remembering our own power and remembering who we are 
Because I think often we can forget. We can forget that this is our movie. We can just end up feeling like, oh, you know, I, I, I don't have any power. I'm just little old me. No, how could little old you create everything that you can see around you? Like, everything is a reflection of ourselves, a reflection of all that we are, you know? So if we can think about that, this can really empower us and remind us just what we're capable of. Mm, That is really amazing. I love that idea. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to A Way of Thinking. Aisha and I had a lot to talk about, so please check out the next episode for part two of our conversation. We will talk more about manifestation and finally get to all those angel numbers. If you loved this episode, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends. I hope some of the beautiful wisdom shared today resonates with you and perhaps creates some change in your way of thinking. Remember that I believe in you and I am so excited for the day that you believe in you too. Let's continue learning and growing together. 